Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Before Champagne. That's right, it's the Paris edition of Before Coffee. We're here at the Arc de Triomphe and we are going to tell you what's happening in Paris, Europe, and the rest of the world on the news show with your father-daughter team news show, I guess. I don't know. Enough of that. First, let's go into the headlines. Today, on Before Champagne, rankings suggest Ireland or France can land a first World Cup in the Rugby World Cup. Also, we update Hurricane Lee. And Game of Prone. Montenegrins lie down in hope of being the crowned the laziest citizen. Also, our... Our shoulders and elbows began as brakes for climbing apes. And in culture news in Europe, a German tourist damages Florence's Neptune fountain to take a photo. All that and more on today, which is National Beer Lovers Day on September 7th, 2023 edition of Before Champagne. news coming out of Paris as we're covering the Rugby World Cup that's happening today. There is a neat statistical symmetry that suggests that the 2023 Rugby World Cup might be won by Ireland or France. Since the sports world rankings were launched 20 years ago, all five present world champions were either ranked first or fourth close to the tournament kicking off. Ireland and France occupied those positions during the recent weeks, and neither nation has previously been crowned world champions, with no new name being engraved on the trophy since England 2023. Or sorry, 2003. (laughs) It is, of course, way more complicated than that to confidently suggest a winner, but such a scenario underlines what many believe is a wide-open tournament. In the World Cup's 36-year history, only four countries, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and England, have triumphed. Six nation champions, Ireland and France, can be added to the mix this time around. Though a genuine con- contenders, although World... Oh, wait. Wait, let me do that sentence again. Six nations champions, Ireland and France, can be added to the mix this time around. Though a genuine contenders, although a World Cup draw carried out in December 2020, has generated serious imbalance with the tournament, heavyweight South Africa, New Zealand, Ireland and France all up in its top half. While those teams are on a quarter-final collision course in Paris, the best of the rest would point to Australia, Argentina, England, and Wales. There is a real potential for the World Cup final to be one-sided affair, which is not being critical of any participant, but more questioning why such an important draw is conducted so long before the competition. France and New Zealand are in the same pool, while Ireland, South Africa, and dangerous Scotland team have been grouped together. That's their words, okay? They said dangerous, yeah. Elsewhere, Pool C sees Australia, Wales, and Fiji in direct competition with England, Argentina, Japan, and the main Pool D protagonists. France met all the the All Blacks, who are reeling from their all-time record defeat of 35-7 in a warm-up fixture against South Africa in a mouth-watering tournament opener. The 40th match pool phase will be played out across nine host cities, Paris, Marseille, Nice, Bordeaux, Toulouse, Lyon, 
Lille Saint Etienne and Nantes with 2.5 million tickets sold. Wow, they're, doing, they're touring the whole country. It can only be hoped that France 2023 will be remembered for the rugby on show with inevitable disciplinary matters not overshadowing it. High tackles, foul play, red cards, yellow cards, and disciplinary hearings will be part of all of it. Coaches will want consistency too. On punishments landed out by disciplinary chiefs, England captain Owen Farrell's recent case highlighting that need and of all matters being efficiently and promptly dealt with. If rugby is the winner, then it will require a host of superstar names to lead the way. And that prospect is one to savor, given the presence of players such as France's captain Antoine Dupont, South Africa's backs Cheslin Colby, and Kanan Modi, New Zealand's fullback Bado Barrett, Ireland's current world player of the year, Josh van der Flyer, and genial Fiji center, Semi Rondorada, an exciting Italian star, Ange Cubauzo. The ingredients are all there for a genuine showcase of rugby at its finest, with some thunderous games in store and potentially memories to last a lifetime. In weather news, Hurricane Lee rapidly strengthens as it turns towards the Caribbean islands. This is from the independent co.uk. Hurricane Lee was rapidly strengthening on Thursday as it turned towards Caribbean islands with the life-threatening conditions expected to develop in the coming days. Hurricane Lee is about 965 miles east of the northern Leeward Islands. According to the 5 a.m. Eastern Time report from the National Hurricane Center with maximum sustained winds of 80 miles per hour or 138 kilometers per hour. And pop-up ad. And my screen disappeared. And close, please. Can I have the rest of the story? Okay, rapid intensifications is expected to begin later today, and Lee is forecast to become a major hurricane by early Friday. The Leeward Islands is a name for a group of islands located where the Caribbean Sea meets the Atlantic Ocean and includes Puerto Rico, the U.S., and British Virgin Islands, and Antigua and Barbuda. So that's probably a few hundred thousand people in that path. Current projections show Hurricane Lee will not make landfall, but pass north of the British Virgin Islands, which is still recovering from Hurricanes Maria and Irma in September 2017. Lee is the 12th named storm of the Atlantic hurricane season, which runs from June 1st to November 30th. Large swells are likely to reach portions of the Lesser Antilles on Friday, according to the forecasters. The Lesser Antilles are alone. Oh, we already done that. So here we are. That's the story. All right, news out of Montenegro. This is from Routers. Seven competitors lying down on mats are vying for the coveted title of laziest citizen after smashing the previous record in a contest held annually in a holiday resort in northern Montenegro. A lying down record of 117 hours was set at last year's contest. That's a long time to lay down in the resort village of Donja Brenza. But at this year's competition entered a 20th day on Thursday. The remaining contestants said they were determined to keep going, or I should say keep laying. Uh, all of us feel good, excellent. There are no health problems, they are pampering us. All we have to do is remain lying down, said 2021 champion Dubrovka Oksik, 38. The contest was launched in the tiny Adriatic country 12 years ago to mock a popular myth that labels Montenegrins as lazy, said Rodanja Blagojevic, the organizer and owner of the resort. She said the seven remaining contestants from the starting field of 28-1 had been lying down for 463 hours so far. 
The rules stipulate that standing or sitting are considered a violation and grounds for immediate disqualification. But contestants are allowed to have 10 minutes every eight hours to go to the toilet. Competitors can also have a mobile phone and laptops. Philip Knezevic, 23, a first-time contestant from the northern town of Mojkovac, said he was confident of a victory and picking up the 1,000-euro prize. We have everything we need here. Company is fantastic. Time goes by quickly, he said. So there you go. Good luck. Uh, what was his name again? I just forgot it. Good luck, Philip, on winning that laziest contest, Montenegrin contest. In, evolu in evolution news, our shoulders and elbows began as breaks for climbing apes. In other words, we learned to climb up the trees, but we couldn't get down them. This is from Dartmouth, which is a college. Dartmouth, actually, not Dartmouth. Dartmouth College. Edu. The rotating shoulders and extending elbows that allow humans to reach for a high shelf or throw a football with friends may have, first of all, there's a natural breaking system for our primate ancestors who simply needed to get out of trees without dying. Dartmouth researchers report in the journal Royal Society Open Science that apes and early humans likely evolved free-moving shoulders and flexible elbows to slowly descend from their trees as gravity pulled on their heavy bodies. When early humans left the forest and grassy savanna, the researchers say their versatile appendages were essential for gathering food and deploying tools for hunting and defense. The researchers used sports analysis and statistical software to compare videos and still frames they took of chimpanzees and small monkeys called mangabays climbing in the wild. They found that chimps and mangabays scaled trees similarly with shoulders and elbows mostly bent close to the body. When climbing down, however, chimpanzees extended their arms above their heads to support their weight, holding onto branches like a person going down a ladder. Luke Fannin, first author of the study and a PhD candidate in Ecology, Evolution, Environment, and Society program in the Goriani School of Graduate and Advanced Studies says the findings are among the first to identify the significance of down climbing and the evolution of apes and early humans, which are more genetically related to each other than to monkeys. Existing research has observed chimps ascending and navigating trees, usually in experimental setups, but the researchers' extensive video from the wild allowed them to examine how the animals' bodies adapted to climbing down. Our study broaches the idea of down climbing as undervalued yet incredibly important factor in a divergent anatomical difference between monkeys and apes that would eventually manifest to humans. Down climbing represented such a significant physical challenge as given the size of apes and early humans that their morphology would have responded through natural selection because of the risk of falls. Our field has thought about apes climbing up trees for a long time. What was essentially absent from the literature was any focus on them getting out of the tree. We've been ignoring the second half of this behavior, says study co-author Jeremy De Silva, professor and chair of the Department of Anthropology. The first apes evolved 20 million years ago in the kind of dispersed forests that were where they would go up a tree, get their food, then come back down to move up to the next tree. Getting out of a tree represents all kinds of challenges. Big apes can't afford to fall because it could kill badly injure them. Natural selection would have favored those anomalies that allowed them to descend safe, safely. 
flexible shoulders and elbows passed on from ancestral apes would have allowed such humans, such as Australopithecus, Pithecus, to climb trees at night for safety and come down in the daylight unscathed. And it goes on for quite a while because it is a college paper. From Euronews, a German tourist decided to make everyone else's day worse by destroying a statue in Florence. A young German tourist damaged Florence's famous Fountain of Neptune when he climbed onto it overnight on Sunday to take a photograph. Overnight? Like at like 2 a.m. or something? No wonder he broke it. I can't see what I'm doing. The 20-year-old man broke off a piece of the marble when he clambered onto the statue's ch chariot and damaged a horse's hoof on the way back down. Now that horse is going nowhere now. It's missing a hoof. In surveillance footage, he can be seen crossing the water before climbing the work of art to pose for the picture before running off. He was identified using the images from the municipal cameras and located a few hours later by local police. Questro, oh sorry, I was about to read the tweet. It's believed he caused about 5,000 euros in damage to a historic monument, which was completely restored in 2018. He now faces a heavy fine. The Fountain of Neptune, commissioned in 1559, commemorates the marriage of a family of House of Medici to the Grand Duchess of Austria. This is not the first incident of vandalism of Italy's historical attractions this summer. In August, German tourists graffiti the ex exterior of the Fasari Corridor, a passage linking the Uvizi galleries with the Boboldi Gardens, also in Florence. Germans really hate Florence. I don't know what's going on there. And in June, another visitor scratched his and his girlfriend's name with the key on an internal wall of the 2,000-year-old Colosseum in Rome. I remember seeing that one. Yeah. All right, September 7th, 1812. Napoleon. Your phone oh, is, my hair's in my face. Don't hold it. I just see this. I hear you. 1812, on this day, 1812, Napoleon's French forces narrowly defeated the Russians under Mikhail Elorionovich Kutsazov at the Battle of Borodino. Yeah? Hell yeah. Napoleon kicking ass in 1812. Dom Pedro I declared the independence of Brazil in 1822. Giuseppe Garibaldi enters Naples, Italy and proclaims himself dictator of two Sicilies in 1860. He just looks like a vagrant. 1860, American folk painter Grandma Moses, who was a native internationally, who was internationally popular for her naive documentation of rural life in the United States was born in 1860, the same day as that guy went into Naples. In 1876, the Younger Brothers, a group of American outlaws who were often allied with Jesse James, were captured following an unsuccessful bank robbery. With the signing of the Boxer Rebellion Protocol, the Boxer Rebellion officially ended in 1901. It was a violent peasant uprising, and it had unsuccessfully sought to drive all foreigners out of China. In 1921, in Atlantic City, New Jersey, the first Miss America pageant, then known as the Inner City Beauty Contest, began. A 16-year-old Margaret Gorman was crowned the winner the following day. In 1963, the Pro Football Hall of Fame opened in Canton, Ohio, and its first inductees included Jim Thorpe and George Hallis. In 1979, ESPN, a cable network dedicated to sports, debuted in American television. Happy birthday, ESPN. And 
1996, American rapper and actor Tupac Shakur, one of the leading names in 1990s gangster rap, was shot by an unknown assailant and died six days later. 2005, amid low voter turnout and allegations of irregularities, Hosni Bubarik won Egypt's first multi-candidate presidential election to remain in office. And the featured event is Queen Elizabeth I was born this day in 1533 in Greenwich, England. And other birthdays today, it is Easy e famous American rapper, was born this day in 1963, so he's my age. Not so easy anymore at this age. Anyway, Buddy Holly was born in 1936. He barely saw his 20s. Sonny Rollins, American musician, was born in 1930, and Daniel Inouye, 1924, United States Center, turns 99. And 1909, Alaya Kazan, American director and author. And what day is it? Not too many days. It is, uh, let's see, it's Honk Your Horn Day here in France. Honk Your Horn Day. Get there and honk your horn. That's uh, also Lean Against the Pole Day. That's why I'm doing this. Okay. It's National Acorn Squash Day in America. Acorn Squash, very delicious. National New Hampshire Day. It's also National Neither Snow Nor Rain Day. It's a, it celebrates the post office. Also National Grateful Patient Day. Grateful Patient Day. <laughs> it's like the Grateful Dead, but they're the ones that live. <laughs> Okay, National Grandma Moses Day, which is her birthday. Uh, and, of course, we covered this National Beer Lovers Day, which is basically every day in America. This has been Allison from Petty on our lovely hot day, burning temperatures here, by the way, at 32 degrees Celsius, which is like probably 85 or something. It's pretty humid, and we're going to be walking around town. Have a good one. This is Roger signing off from downtown Paris in front of the Arc de Triomphe on September 7th, 2023 edition of Before Champagne. Be sure to hit the like, subscribe, and notify buttons and follow our other channels. Toxic Alley. History of Gravy and Scratchy Old Records.